Hello, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, and welcome to another episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I am your host, as always, Tony Defio, and I thank you for joining me. Just gross and dreary and Friday night in Pittsburgh, PA. And uh, as I always say, I hope wherever you are in Steeler Nation, whether it's watching me live or listening to me after the fact, I hope it's nice and dry and pleasant weather-wise and in your life too. So before I continue with tonight's episode of the six pack, I would like to please ask you to like and subscribe to our behind the store curtain channel. We bring you live day and night. We have this earlier on Friday. We had the down under with Maddie Peverall and Mark Day, the, the the dude from Down Under. Uh, we run the North with Kevin Tate. That's uh, every Sunday, I believe. We have the Hangover with Brian Anthony Davis, Shannon White, and yours truly every Monday night. And before I forget, Sunday we have we have uh, the Steelers post game show with Brian Anthony Davis, Jeff Hartman, and Dave Schofield. Moving ahead to Tuesday, we have the Scobro Show with Dave and Rich Schofield. Wednesday, we have Know Your Enemy with Jeffrey Benedict and Shannon. That's a very popular preview with Dave. Is that all the live shows? I believe so. And you can catch all those live shows also live on Facebook. And you can catch all of our shows, lives, after the fact. Anywhere you can find podcasts on any audio platform, Spotify, iHeartRadio, you name it, you can find our podcasts, our last, and you'll find our audio-only shows, including Bad Language uh, with Brian. Uh, We have State of the Steelers with uh, Daniel J. Uh, We have uh, The Steelers Fix with Andrew Wilbar and Jeremy Betts. We have Let's Ride with with, uh, Jeff. We have the Stat Geek with Dave. We have From the Cutting Room Floor with Jeffrey. We have Bad Language. Did I say Bad Language with Brian? Uh, yes, we have Here We Go to Steal the Show with Brian and KT Smith. We have uh, What He's Talking About with Kyle Christ and his buddy over on the West Coast. We, we have just so many fine Steeler programming for you. So please check us out. And of course, check out Behind the Still Curtain, the website. We bring you news. We, we bring you commentary. And we bring you film breakdown. We bring you everything, everything you need that's Steelers or NFL related. We have it for you. You won't be sorry. It's your one-stop shop for all your Steelers needs. And let's see who we have live chat. Kathy Ford, who's number one, first one in. Yes, Daredevil and Daredevil answers. It says present. All right, there you go. Good attendance. We have George Teston. Brian Brown, uh, Craig Lawson. That's a new one from Facebook. Welcome, Craig. Lon Campbell from YouTube. Teddy Belcher. What's this channel about? The ass or uh, it's, it's about the Steelers. Uh, uh, Teddy. Uh, it's Pittsburgh. The Cuda. The Kuda who says, Tony looks, I'll just say angry tonight. 
must have had a bad week of bowling. As a matter of fact, my team, well, one of my teams won the championship last week. So pretty good week. Things over for now until January. Myron, Jane, and Bird is with are with us. So welcome everybody. Anderson Brian and ask things ring all day. It's raining harder now than ever. And it's probably gonna rain through tomorrow morning. So yes, but things uh fine with everybody around the country who who uh who were were affected by uh, her book, but I heard that so anyway uh tonight's show we we do i just want to uh, we're going to do in this show and I, I just want i'm going to leave it open to you i want to open the floor to you guys out there i want you to because i ramble on long to this but i want to state your case as to why you think the Steelers are actually going to improve over the last nine games as they come out of their bye on Sunday with a game against the Saints at one o'clock at Akershore Stadium. Why do you think they're going to be better and improve on their two and six mark? Or why do you think they're going to stay the same or, or be even worse, continue down this losing path? Uh, but before we get into that, let's get into some news uh, for this week. It looks pretty certain now that TJ will make his run this Sunday against the Saints after missing seven weeks, seven games with a pectoral injury and also a knee injury, a knee problem that he had to have surgery on. So it looks like he's going to be back. Uh, DeMonte Kazee, a, a defensive back, a, a guy with a really good track record in, around the NFL, somebody who led the NFL in with inter, in, interceptions one year. Uh, they had a, a big plans for him in their secondary, but he broke his arm in the preseason. And he's out on the IR, but he's back this week. He was he was uh, activated, um, I think it was on Thursday or Wednesday. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Chris Boswell was placed on, on the uh, IR with a, a groin injury. So uh, uh, good news, bad news there. But it's going to be interesting to see what, what Kazee does. Uh, in that secondary, they, they had plans for, presumably anyway, plans for uh, a lot of three safety looks. And because uh, he's somebody who could play a lot of different positions in the slot, obviously deep safety, uh, anywhere you need him to play, you know, that makes uh, Mika Fitzpatrick more valuable. And of course, Terrell Evans can do certain different things off of that. So that's going to be interesting. And of course, uh, Watt, um, you know, I can't remember a, a player a non-quarterback player who uh, the anticipation of him was, was so, uh, was so high. Um, and the, the belief uh, being that he could make that much of a difference, a non-quarterback can make that much of a difference simply by, um, by in the lineup. So you know, watch back again, Chris Ball on the IR, Matthew Wright was signed uh, to the practice squad and then activated to the 53 man roster. Uh, Akilah Witherspoon is out again. Um, William Jackson, the third, who they traded for during the bye, he's, he's out with a, uh, a back injury. So 
that's your injury news for the Steelers. The, the, the Saints have five players out, uh, including two starting offensive linemen, uh, as well as uh, defensive back Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, Mark, Ingram, Mark Ingram is out. Uh, Pete Werner, inside linebackers also. Both teams are, are, are dealing with injuries. Everybody pretty much dealing with injuries. But, uh, Pittsburgh and New Orleans are, are – are, no stranger to that kind of stuff, and maybe that helps to explain why they're uh, Pittsburgh's two and six, and New Orleans is three and six. So that's your news. So let's open it up to you now. How do you? We'll be half after the buy. What you got? Ford says, or I'm sorry, Brown says, sorry, I'm having, I'm, I'm lagging behind. Brian Brown says, well, George is right. George Teston, I think, I think the Steelers are last in non-offensive stat. They are. I mean, they're, uh, this is the worst they've been in, in since 1970 uh, in a lot of offensive categories. And the defense is pretty bad too, like we talked about last week. The defense should not be getting on as lightly as they have this year. They they, they should um, uh, be getting criticized a little bit a little bit more, even without T.J. Watt in there, even without some of their injury issues. The defense should be uh, in the micro, under the microscope a little bit more. All right. Apparently my internet internet is off tonight. Maybe it's the rain. I don't know. I apologize. But I mean, uh, if you're talking about why a reason they could be better in the second half, in addition to Watt and, and Kazee, those players returning to a defense that people thought could be elite, uh, the schedule gets a lot easier on paper anyway. Over the last nine games, uh, with them. Sundays. Although I will say this about the Saints, they have the uh, the the sixth ranked offense and the eleventh ranked defense. There are no slouches. And in fact, they are favored as of now by a point and a half going into Sunday's game. So, you know, it's it's kind of unusual for a three and sixteen to be favored on the road at all, even against a two and sixteen. And I think that should tell you all you need to know about the state of Pittsburgh right now and the confidence that people have in them. Because when you think about, about it, the home team usually is usually spotted three points, right? And, um, you know, so for, for New Orleans to be favored by a point and a half, uh, that tells you something, or that should tell you something. All right. That is... A uh, Najee Harris is going to end up being a Trent Richardson, both first round pick Alabama. No, I don't think that at the moment. I mean, it is it is concerning. His his uh, production this year has been uh, concerning, but at the same time, as experts have pointed out, people like Chris Hoke 
and and others who have who have made radio appearances on 93.7 and and you know 1059 this you know the last couple weeks Harris is a lot of eight man front six man fronts too basically uh, the opposing defenses are, are loading the box frequently and 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 putting more defenders in the box than Pittsburgh than players uh, for Pittsburgh has to, to defend to, to block, you know, so that's part of the problem. Uh, Harris is being contacted uh, 0.7 yards after, after receiving a handoff and Jalen Warren in contrast is being hit 2.2 yards after taking a handoff. So that shows you that, that, that teams are gearing up to stop Harris because they're not afraid of Pittsburgh's passing game, specifically the ability to go downfield even 15, 20 yards on a regular basis. So they're, they're dare, daring uh, Pittsburgh to, to pass and they're, they're loading up to stop the run. And, uh, you know, Mike Tomlin hinted this week during his press conference that Warren, who has looked good, the rookie Jalen Warren, the undrafted free agent, he has looked really good. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and Tomlin has hinted that Warren, might get more carries this week. He might split carries with Harris even. Um, but again, going back to what people like Chris Hoke have said, Warren's, a lot of his yardage has been picked up in garbage time and it's being picked up against defenses that aren't worried about him because they have big leads and are more worried about protecting uh against the big play, which I don't even know why any defense would, would be worried about that against Pittsburgh this year. But so um, am I, am I worried about Harris being a, a, a Trent Richardson? I, I, to me, I mean, people used to say that about any outside linebacker uh, that came along after Alonzo Jackson in 03, every, every outside linebacker that struggled early in his career was the next Alonzo Jackson who was a bust. I don't think, I mean, I think Harris showed you a lot last year. Where, did he did he suddenly lose the ability to be a productive back after one year? I mean, if he was, if he was playing, if he played like this last year and then followed it up with, with uh, what he's doing this year, I'm maybe a little, a little bit more worried, but I think his main problem is Pittsburgh's inability to put a, 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 a cohesive passing game together and keep, opposing defense is honest, something that's plagued this team for two years, this offense for two years. And I think until they get that cleared up, until they are, are able as an offense to, to, to keep opposing defenses honest with their passing game, they're not going to be able to run the ball. And Jalen Warren has been lauded for his ability to, to hit the hole faster than, than Harris has. But, you know, let's see what happens if, 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 if those holes are clogged as soon as he gets the handoff, which has been the problem with Harris. Uh, this year, which may explain why he, he's his first sentence to dance and, and put moves on and, and instead of uh, he, heading straight for the hole. So we'll, I, I, I'm not that worried about Harris at the moment. And there you go. Thaddeus follows up. He's getting outplayed by an undrafted rookie. But that's it's not it's not always apples to apples, you know, as I explained earlier. Uh, Warren is facing a lot of different kind of fronts than is Harris. So we'll see what happens if, if, if Warren does get more playing time and, 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 and 
the stakes are higher when he does uh, get the ball. Uh, I'd be interested to see how he does there. Not that I'm going to be ruining against him. I, I'm, I'm willing. I'm, I'm all for whoever can be productive in this offense. I'm not. I don't pick sides when it comes to players. I want to see them all do well. But I'm st- still. I'm not willing to just say that Warren is automatically a better player than Harris because of a of his the success that he's had in a uh, very small sample size in in different uh, circumstances than Harris faces when he's when he's getting the ball. Brian Brown asks, with TJ's return, TJ Watts' return, do you see Highsmith's sack, sack production pick up again? Yes, I do. Uh, it better. It better because that's that's what everybody's been, been anticipating. You know, with Watt out, I mean, they've had, what, eight sacks in the seven games that Watt has missed. They had seven in week one, and they've had eight since then. Um, Highsmith had three in week one. And he's had three and a half since then. Uh, so, you know, if he doesn't, if he can't take advantage of him, and I might tell him about Asmuth. I, you know, I think he's a good player. And certainly he's, he's improved every year, but he kind of faded with without Watt in there. And I'm also interested to say, I think I'll make better Cam Hayward or uh, Larry uh, all of them, uh, and, and I think they're all going to from you know, at least they, they, we've heard for seven weeks now that, uh, in addition to the offense not not uh, keeping them keeping them pe- keeping them off the field, meaning the defense. Um, we've heard that. Well, the only reason why the defense has been so poor this year is because Watt hasn't been in there. Well, you know, for one thing, an elite defense should should not rely so heavily on one player. But if that if that if that is the case, then that what makes them that much better as a defense, then we should start seeing that starting on Sunday against the Saints, provided Watt is is as close to 100 percent as he can be at this point. One from M. Marshall's the Warren Harris debate, who says. Warren is coming in on passing downs. That, that's right. I mean, that's been that's been the uh, the general thought. That's been the consensus among people who have been observing this team this year. Is and has faced different kinds of defenses. He's been getting the ball under different circumstances than has Harris. Now, I mean, if he comes in, for example, if he gets more carries on Sunday and and it's it the game still you know in the balance and, and it's it's clear running situations and he's having success then they have to sit up and take notice and maybe this Jalen Warren deserves uh, more more care. Brian Brown asks why why did the Steelers change kickers? I know about Boz. Why did the Steelers cut Skiba? I don't know. I mean, they have a history with, uh, you know, uh, Brian Brown's talking about uh, the, the kicker who who they signed for the, uh, the play in the Eagles game a couple weeks ago, and he did pretty well. Uh, I, I can't really explain why they, they cut him to to pick up right. Maybe maybe they, they, they released him because they thought Boswell would be would be back. And once they, they decided they had to, they had to put Boswell on IR, 
Um, uh, Skiba, they, they, maybe they decided to move the, the, the go back to Matthew Wright, who they, they have a history with. Uh, they signed him, I believe, in 2020. Yeah, in 2020, he, he kicked some for them. Uh, so they have a history with him. And I, that might explain why they, they decided to re-sign him rather than go back to Skiba. Uh, the Cuda 70 says, I really hope if the, if the Steelers are, are losing at halftime, the fans do not boo them. Might rattle Kenny Pickett. Well, I don't think it's going to rattle Pickett. Um, he doesn't seem like the rattling type. But, I mean, if they're, if they're playing horribly at halftime, do you blame the fan? Would you blame the fans at all for booing them off the field? I think they would deserve it the way they played both on offense and defense. That got uh, dominated on Monday Night Football by the Ravens. They're coming off a short week. Uh, if you can't um, put on a good performance in this, there might not be any hope for you at all this year. On that happy note, at the 22:20 mark, I think I'm going to take a few minutes and let you people, you guys, you fans, you listeners, listening on the audio side, hear a word from our right back. And welcome back, friends. Welcome back to. The Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I'm Tony Defio, your host, and we've been having a pleasant so far about how, why you, you think you out there, the people in the live chat, why you think the Steelers are going to be better in the second half or worse or worse. You can you can state your case there too. So let's let's uh, let's keep on with the opinions. And this one is from. Brian Brown again. Do you think if Jeff Hartman put that hood back on, the Steelers will start winning again? Not unless he uh, put that ho- that hood on and also became a man- magnificent offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, or maybe he he is a better athlete than than I even thought, and he can rush the quarterback or or create turnovers. Probably not. Probably not. But you never know. I mean, we are very superstitious as fans. So, I mean, if, if he does put it on and it works for one game, he puts it on and it works, it works for a second game. Maybe he'll keep, he'll keep, keep putting that sucker on, but I, I don't even think a, a really good superstition can, can, uh, can thwart what's going on with Pittsburgh right now. And this one is from George Teston who it's not even a football question. I just clicked on it because I, I like George. And he says, do you, you didn't change your clock. It's 2120 here. Oh, I did change my clock. I was talking about the, uh, the time of the, uh, the length of the show. 2120 mark. It's like in the football game at the 15, at the 14 minute mark of the second quarter. That's really what I was going by. M. Marcus says of the second half, the defense should be better, but not sure about the offense. Yeah, you and me both, buddy. I mean, who can be who can be sure about anything about this offense right now? It's been so long since they've given us any glimmer of hope 
that they can be an even a semi-efficient offense. When was the last time they had a, a really good game offensively? I mean, it's been a while. I heard a stat this week, two stats. Uh, the one's been confirmed. Their longest offensive touchdown this year is eight yards. Eight yards, which to me is crazy. They've had they've they've scored 10 touchdowns on offense in eight games, and their longest one was eight yards. And Mika Fitzpatrick, this is what another reporter said this week, and I couldn't really confirm it because I'm not that good at math, but they seem to be pretty convinced of this. Mika Fitzpatrick had a a uh, an INT, a, a pick six in week one that, that kicked off the season in Cincinnati. I think it was like 30-some yards. And uh, according to what I was hearing on the radio on Friday, Pittsburgh's 10 offensive touchdowns combined, you know, yardage-wise, don't add up to what Miss Patrick gained uh, taking that interception back to the house in week one, which to me just blows my mind. You know, it's just this offense is, it's just, I just can't believe how bad it is. And Teston said, I said 22-20. Maybe I did. I don't know. But I was referring to the to the time of the show, George. But but I did change my clock. Actually, I didn't change I didn't change my clock because I my my laptop and my my uh Android, they 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 change automatically when it's when we jump ahead or 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 fall back. Brian Brown says I'm sick of jet sweeps. Yes. That was the, that was all the rage two years ago. That seemed like a sexy uh play in 2020. And then that sexy play uh Forgot to shave its legs, so to speak. And uh, now nobody likes looking at the Jeff sweep anymore, unfortunately. But I'm for whatever. So if they can figure that out, I will, uh, I'll, 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 I'll be up for it. This is Mark Malone, the famed quarterback from the 80s, who says, but they have, but they have a play called double reverse. Oh, well, I'm not going to read that. Mark Malone's always a jokester. Never mind. Ron Schultz joins us in the live chat. Howdy. He says, howdy, Tony. Howdy, Ron. Kathy Ford says, I remember our jet sweeps. That's right. They were because uh, Matt Canada was the, the quarterback coach back in 2020. He was hired on and um, speculation began that, oh, my gosh, it's Matt Canada. He's he's the secret offensive coordinator, and he's going to show this Randy Fichter how to design a game plan. And it's just a matter of time before they get rid of Fichter and put Canada in Canada in. And they were right. It was just a matter of time, but unfortunately it hasn't worked out quite well just yet. All right. But, uh, I'm going to see how Kenny Pickett responds to the second half after Really, I mean, there were some good things that happened with Kenny Pickett in the first half, but things got progressively worse for him as the weeks went along. And he really started to struggle. You could see the frustration. Uh, you could hear it in his voice when he would talk to reporters afterwards. So, I mean, you know, for him to be thrown into the fire like that and then have to struggle like that and do so through the toughest part of their schedule, those four games that they played, his first four starts, 
in Buffalo uh, against the Bucks at home in Miami on Sunday night, and then in Philadelphia, the only undefeated team in the NFL. That's a heck of a, uh, of a, of a way to start your NFL career as a rookie quarterback. So I want to see how he responds. I want to see how the offense responds. I want to see how the, you know, for all the criticism Matt Canada has taken and rightfully so, I want to see how he responds to basically two years of, 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 of the same um, performance from this offense, two different coordinators, same performance. I mean, anybody with a brain in their head would try to do something to change that would try to anybody with pride. And I mean, if Matt Canada doesn't know the criticism, if he can't, if he doesn't, if he's not aware of the criticisms he's faced this year, then he is really out of touch. So I want to see how he responds to this and what kind of game plan he devises and how he responds when the defense inevitably stops him. Cause everybody gets stopped at some point, even really good offenses get stopped at some point during a game. How does he respond to that? What does he do to answer his critics, to answer the, the, the you know, the, the, what his bosses, mainly Mike Tomlin, want him to do, because you know Mike Tomlin can't be pleased with this showing so far. So I, I want to see what, what Man Canada does in the second half. From Monica S. responds to the show title. And they say, the Steelers will be worse as long as Tom is down. I should have, should have, I, I figured one of those was coming. Without a Hall of Famer, Big Ben to carry him, Tomlin is getting exposed for who he really is. He, he can only fire so many coordinates so he gets replaced. There you go. Well, uh, I knew that was coming sooner or later. Uh, well, I mean, that's what happens, I guess. Uh, your first year without Big Ben, if you start two and six, it's only a matter of time before you start hearing criticisms like that. And with Tomlin, it, they never really stopped. I mean, they people were saying stuff about him. 2015, 2017, 2011. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, that's going to be amplified in two and in, 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 during a two and six season. All right. This is one who was having a conversation with Kathy Ford, and he says, "Kathy Ford, I went to Steelers games when I was eight years old. I am 68 now. I never boo this team." They will always be my team. Well, I mean, see, that's a misconception, I think. You can boo a team, you know, and it still be your team. And in fact, I think that shows a, a, a level of, 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 of love. That's an example of, of a certain kind of love that you have. Because, I mean, you're not going to boo somebody you don't care about. I mean, you boo because you care about the product and you want it to get better. Now, I mean, if you're, if you're throwing batteries or – or issuing death threats or, or calling players, uh, you know, really bad things, then that's a different story. You know, if you're writing really hateful emails or tweets or whatever, that's, that's different, but booing, I mean, that's, I, I think that's just, you're, you're expressing your, your dissatisfaction, but you're also expressing your love. It's a form of love, you know, you care. So, I mean, I, you know, I don't think it's, you know, it, it's, it's not, it's not unreasonable to boo. Now, it's unreasonable maybe to boo Mason Rudolph 
as soon as he steps on the field uh, in the first preseason game, just because you don't like Mason Rudolph, that's unreasonable. But booing a team because of awful performance, and not just in one half, but going back for eight, nine games, that's not unreasonable. All right, let's see what else we have here. This one, Ron Schultz asks, do they keep Bruce Arians' playbook in the archives? I doubt it, but that's ironic because I remember when he was, I remember when, when Bruce Arians was Matt Canada. This is why I make fun of, oh, this one from uh, Brian Brown who asked, I wonder if the Steelers have any routes. I'm sure they do. And they call some every, every game, just not all that successfully. But anyway, back, back to Schultz, they keep Bruce Arians' playbook in the archives. This is what, 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 why I always uh, kind of get sarcastic when it comes to the the coordinator, the OC, because it doesn't really matter who the offensive coordinator is. Eventually, fans are going to find a way to not like that person because they didn't like Todd Haley, and that was the best the offense looked over the last ten years, and they still didn't like him. So, but I thought they had Bruce Arians' playbook, and even if they did, they're not going to they're not going to open it up because it's just too much to ask for for a rookie quarterback and a young offense to try to try to uh, absorb. I'm George Seth. Sorry. I'm a little lagging behind here. So Tony, what do you think will get this offense going in the right direction? I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm being totally honest. We've, we've, we've answered, we've tried to answer that question so many times over the last couple of years. And it's just, I'm, I'm baffled. I don't know what to do anymore. I mean, the, the obvious answer is you have to be able to open up the passing game. That's really what's going to, going to open up the running game. Um, but I mean, I'm sure they have to know that. I mean, it's, on some level, Matt Cannon, Mike Tallman, whoever, they have to know, like, we've got to try something to, 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 you know, open up this offense that, and it's just not working. So I don't know what the answer is anymore. You know, outside of, of, you know, bringing in three or four studs on offense next year on the offensive line and, and you know, in the receiving core and, and just letting their talent shine through. I don't know. I mean, I, at this point, you know, Tony Romo during that Bills game, you know, he, he said something really profound that I think a lot of people, a lot of conservative minded offensive people and fans forget about when it comes to a rookie quarterback the best way to make life easier for for a, a rookie quarterback in the passing game is to pass on first down not run on first down because when you pass on first down you 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 you're um passing against running um front you know defenses that are set up to stop the run you know, so why we don't see more of that, I don't know. Uh, you know, we heard all this talk about about uh, you know, the quarterback under the, un, under center this year and doing play action pass, and yet it seems like it's 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 it, a lot of what you're saying is what you've seen in, in recent years, and that's passing out of the shotgun, running out of the shotgun, almost exclusively. You know, which I, I think it, it's hard to generate a, a running game when the uh, the linemen are on their heels. I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. At this point, I'm just I'm just grasping at straws. It's just such a frustrating thing. 
you know. Oh, this is a great question. And I I know what I'm gonna my answer would be. Anyone else think Merrill Hodge would make a great a good OC? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. This guy knows his football. And this is that's a good question. The people are always saying, Oh, Big Ben should be the offensive coordinator. That's laughable. Big Ben, the guy that you the fans spent 18 years complaining about not studying enough film, being a, 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 a playground quarterback, he should be the OC, please. But Merrill Hodge, I mean, I don't know if he would want to do it. I mean, that, that takes a big commitment. I mean, he, he spends his, he's been uh, spending his post-football days uh, breaking down film for, you know, you know, ESPN and the like. I mean, that's, that's, that's a good way to make a living, you know, without uh, throwing your whole life into in, into your profession, so I'm not, I'm sure he would. I'm not sure he'd want to do it, but do I think he'd make a great OC? Heck yeah, Merrill Hodge knows his stuff. Believe me, I love Merrill Hodge. And this one is from the great one oh three. Maybe that's a maybe that's Mark Madden. And he says, Ben said in his podcast, he wouldn't want to be a coach unless it's with his kids in high school. Yeah, I agree. Ben is a family man now. The last thing he wants to do is coach. I'll take a, a bigger commitment than he would even have to have had as a player, believe it or not, at least time-wise. It's one from Brian Brown, who says, Tony Romo can kiss it, the Cowboys stink. Well, they don't stink this year. They're pretty good. But if you think Tony Romo can kiss it, that's, that's your opinion, I guess. From Steelers, this is a, 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 from Steeler girl, Steelers girl. I can't talk. Oh my God! I'm so glad you agree. I've said it before, and people think I'm nuts, but the guy knows his football and plays. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, as far as like, I don't know how it'd be as an actual coach, like you know, dealing with players, but as far as being able to devise a game plan, from what I've seen over the years, him and Jaws, Jaws uh, Jaworski, and, and those kind of people that he's worked with, I think he'd be great at it. And this one is from from Great One Hundred Three. Do you think Mark Madden lives in Pittsburgh? Oh yeah, he does. He he lives in I don't know where, but but he's been doing a show here for like twenty five years. He's a, he's definitely a Pittsburgher. Uh, true. And this one is from Randall Jordan, who says they better be ready for the brat for the Saints. Yeah, they, well, I mean they could be ready for them. They could be ready. It doesn't mean they're going to beat them. You know, they're not. Um, they're not the uh, that kind of team right now where they can, where, where, where even if they give their all, they can beat anybody. They're not that kind of team this year. All right. And Kathy Ford says about being a coordinator, Ben, a, a huge pay cut. Yeah, I mean, not that he would, not that he needs the money by any stretch. I think he made like two hundred million dollars during his career as a player. But yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about. You're making 20, 25 million a year, and then you go from that to making what whatever a coordinator would make a million, maybe, probably not even that much. And let, let's look back, you know, how many big time franchise celebrity quarterback types went on to be coaches afterwards? Um, Norm Van Brocklin, he was the head coach, uh, Bart Starr, head coach. Uh, other than that, it's hard to it's hard to think of many players that that 
that want to do that. You know, it, it's rare for a superstar to, uh, uh, to, to go into coaching. You know, I think, I just think it's cause, cause you know, they, they made their money. Um, they have a legacy and, you know, they realized that going into coaching would be a huge pay cut and it would take a, a huge time commitment. So, uh, but you know, Neon Deion Sanders is doing it, which I'm shocked. And he's doing a good job, apparently. I think it's Jackson State, a small black uh, Southern school. And he's doing such a good job there that, I mean, he's getting, he's getting uh, his, um, uh, the, the, the facilities at the school have been upgraded. And, uh, you know, people are taking notice and, and, and there's talk that he's going to get poached by a bigger school, like, a, like an, you know, an SEC, whatever, like a big time college, which would be amazing to see prime time as a college coach. And, and, and it would, you know, and doing a great job. That would just be incredible. It's an incredible story. You never know. You never know who's, who's um, going to go on to be a, head co- a great head coach. I mean, uh, Heinz Ward is is going to be coaching the XFL uh, next year, I guess, or yeah, next year. So maybe he'll he'll transition into the uh, NFL ranks at, at, at a certain point. Michael O'Malley says that Ben Roethlisberger he draws up play back here with his kids now. Yeah, that's always been the uh, that was always the, the 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 joke when he played. Obviously, he was more disciplined than that. Of course, I mean, you don't have the kind of career he had. Uh, the kind of quarterback rating that he did if you're just drawing up plays in the dirt. But I mean, that was the persona he had. That was the, um, you know, the legacy he, he built, you know, and he did put a lot of great plays together that should, that would suggest that, that, you know, he drew plays up in the dirt, but that's just, that was his, that was his natural gift that few other quarterbacks had, you know, you look back people like Elway and, Maybe Randall Cunningham, people like that. There, there are a few players that 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 have that kind of ability to to um, make something out of nothing. But Ben Roethlisberger, that, that's what made him special. All right, what else have here? <laughs> Great one. Uh, Frank Reich was fired on on uh, during the week as head coach of the Colts and immediately the cries began as the great one says fire Canada in all caps and hire Reich in all caps. But I think Reich's going to hold out for, think about it. I mean, you're, you're, you're a head coach, right? And when they fire you, I mean, they have to, they have to pay you the rest of your contract. So, you know, he essentially gets to, gets to enjoy the rest of the year uh, with full pay doing nothing, you know, on a, with a uh, weekly paycheck. So why would he want to come back and, and go and, and, and coach and be a coordinator this year? Maybe next year, who knows, but maybe he'd want to be, you know, who says he doesn't want to be a head coach again, you know? So it is funny because the Colts have, have been struggling mightily this year. And, and yes, Reich has had some uh, success in the past as both a coordinator and a head coach offensively, but, you know, he's certainly not not um not uh, red hot right now in terms of uh, of his career, and yet people think he's he would he would come in here and just do a great job. Maybe he would. Maybe he would. I, I can't imagine anybody 
uh, doing worse. But anyway, it's probably it's probably not going to happen. I mean, in fact, I know it's not going to happen. Not this year, anyway. And I think Kathy Ford asked. I was going to say something else, but Kathy Ford asked, are you feeling at all hopeful about this game, Tony? Yes, I am, actually. Um, I predict that they're going to win a close game because, they're again, they're coming off a bye. They better have done some serious soul-searching over these past two weeks. The Saints are coming off a short week, traveling, playing on the road, playing out of their time zone, I think. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I think Pittsburgh should win this game. I don't think they're going to blow them out, but I think they're, they're going to win a close, low-scoring game, 20-16, something like that. So, This one from Michael O'Malley. Tony, what if – I really don't want, want this, but what – What? but TJ Watt comes back and re-injures his peck for a 2-16. Is it worth him coming back? I mean – uh I guess it all depends. You know, I think a lot of the fans now have, have maybe resigned themselves for now. I mean, unless they go on a roll, resigned themselves with seeing Pittsburgh get the best draft pick available, but the players aren't thinking that they're not thinking that right now. The coaches aren't thinking that they're thinking about, we can get back in the race. We have four more division games to play. There's not, we're not even halfway through. We still have more games to play than we, than we played. So, yeah, it's probably, in their mind, it's worth him coming back. And, you know, as far as the Steelers are concerned, I mean, they're paying him $80 million guaranteed. So, you know, they're, they probably want to see him out there on the field. So <laughs> he's their best player. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to see him re-injure his pack, but, but uh, you, have to, you have to assume or you have to hope that the rehab went as well as possible. And, you know, these guys are great athletes. They, they, their, their, their bodies are in tip-top shape. You know, they train relentlessly, incessantly. Uh, and, you know, if he does suffer another injury, you know, I mean, that could happen at any time. So, All right. On that note, I think I'm going to call it a night. It was a fun show. A lot of great interaction. A lot of kind of what I envisioned when I came up with this idea. Um. Until I talk to you again, you have a, a great weekend and, and um, enjoy that game on Sunday. And, and I will see you on uh, Monday on Hangover with Brian and Shannon. The Steelers are two and six right now. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those years, right? It's one of those years, but there's still a lot of football left to play. There's still a lot to learn about your Pittsburgh Steelers. It, uh, when can do for your hope and optimism about your team. On that note, you guys take it easy, and I'll talk to you some other time. Take care.